Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And these words, standard of living and quality of life, those are common phrases used in political and economic and social discussions. But when talking about quality of life, there's a hollowness to the discussion if it doesn't center on relationships. What can we do to rethink our approach to relationships that will have lasting impact on our lives? The series is called One Life, Make Yours Count, and the message today is about rethinking your relationships. It's time for Reaching for Real Life. The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 2, why don't you turn in your Bibles there, Philippians chapter 2. He wrote about relationships, beginning in verse 1. He says, therefore, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. So if you have any of these things, listen to to those things. Those are powerful things. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one spirit and one mind. Wait a minute. Encouragement from being united with Christ, comfort from his love, common sharing in the spirit, tenderness, compassion. That's not enough. Paul, that's big stuff. That doesn't make your joy complete? He's like, no, because that's not, that's not all. Jesus redeemed us so we could have a relationship with God. That's the most important thing. But he also created us and designed us so that we could have a relationship with one another. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So he's saying in your relationships, now he's bringing this work of Christ into the relational arena. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's what Jesus did. And he says, in the context of your relationship, that's the role model. Because the truth is, the quality of your life will never exceed the quality of your relationships. Now, I think we'd all recognize the truth is, much of our lives will be defined by the people we associate with, right? Have you experienced that? Much of your life actually becomes defined by the people you associate with. It's so significant, so influencing, it can come to define us. Proverbs 17, verse 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. That's an interesting passage, isn't it? A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. I want to suggest to you what he's saying is family is there for you in times of adversity because that's what family does. I mean, there are some families that are so broken that they don't walk in that. But in times of adversity, when kind of the chips are down and you got to go depend on someone, most often it's going to be family. That's just kind of how it works. They're there because they're your family. They have the common history. They have that common kind of bond of family. But understand, there's different from a friend. Your family may not actually like you. I mean, they may not want to hang around with you. I hate to tell you that. Is it, am I being harsh here? I mean, th- they may not 
Family has to love because we're family. That's what we do. But friends are different. That's why he says a friend loves at all times because friends, friendship's unique. Friendships we choose, don't we? We choose them. And how you choose makes all the difference. So significant. How we choose in these friendships makes all the difference. I want us to look at this idea of life-giving relationships. Because there are some relationships, when you choose these friendships wisely, they will be life-giving. Versus, and we all know these exist, life-sucking relationships, right? Ever had life-sucking relationships? Yeah. <laughs> You're laughing because you have. Don't get me wrong, those people are still important to God. Those are people we still have to show kindness and compassion to. But you know a life-sucking relationship when you see it. It's just one of those relationships where you kind of, when you kind of walk, kind of walk up, and it's like you want to do the die thing again. Like, oh, God, I'm dead. Don't talk to me. I'm unconscious. No, because it, it seems like there's always, it's a one-way thing. It's a taking, it's a taking, it's a taking. And I'm not saying you get to, we get to remove all those people from our lives completely. I'm not, I don't say that at all. I'm just saying you better know the difference between the life-giving and the life-sucking relationships. And you better have plenty of life-giving relationships. Otherwise, you'll never experience the one life that Jesus designed you for. Life-giving relationships. This morning, I want to real quickly go over five qualities of life-giving relationships. Number one, life-giving relationships model mutual submission. Model mutual submission. That's Paul's overarching theme here. Mutual submission to something bigger than ourselves. Amos 3.3 says, do two walk together unless they've agreed to do so? I could have used the word life-giving relationships model mutual commitment, and that's significant. But I like the word submission, because submission is something I kind of have to do just within me. When I submit to something, I am saying to myself, I'm in. I'm committed, and I am submitted. It's not just me anymore. I'm submitted to this relationship now. I've given myself this relationship. I'm connected with this other person. I'm submitted to this relationship. I don't get to be a free agent anymore. It's a powerful expression. We understand that like the, in, human, in terms of human relationships, the best example of that is marriage. The marriage example, we, we're submitted to that relationship. I'm not a free agent anymore. I'm now submitted in the relationship with my marriage partner. I can't just come and go. I can't just run. Stand before family and friends and we say I do. And that's the nature of that submitted Relationship. But in other life-giving relationships, there's this idea of being submitted into the context of relationship. As a pastor of a church, I see people all the time who have no concept of this. And so what they do is they come into the context of a church. Let me tell you something. For the first three, four weeks, oh, we're the best church ever. We are. I'm the best pastor ever for the first three, four weeks. I'm really good for four. Once that goes by, though, then all of a sudden I say something stupid that bothers you. You get... Really, did you have to amen on that? I've been talking for 10 minutes, not one amen. That's what I get an amen on. Really? Say something stupid. Mm. Yeah, but you know what I mean. I say something you don't like. Your, com- your community group leader does something you don't like. The band plays songs you don't like. The person helping serving donuts doesn't treat you in the way you think you should be treated. And all of a sudden you're like, I am out of here. I am going to a church full of perfect people just like me. Really, and then you go on to the next, and then the next, and then the next. You know, I've told you about that, right? The perfect church thing. Don't look for a perfect church. If you ever find it, don't go there because you'll screw it up, right? That's my gift to you. That's free. But really, it's this. I've seen it happen in people's lives. They, they, they go, and this kind of, as soon as someone kind of 
does something I don't like, says something I don't like, I'm up and I'm out of here. And by, by the way, that's the way we've been conditioned and socialized when it comes to relationships. As soon as something happens I don't like, I'm up and I'm out. And what the Apostle Paul is talking about, he's talking, no, 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 no. He's talking about submitting to the relationship so that actually when those things begin to happen, when someone says or does something that ruffles your feathers or you say or do something to ruffle someone's feathers, do you understand? That's when the good stuff starts. Because that's when I begin to learn. That's when I begin to confront the issues of my flesh, my carnal nature. When somebody else rubs me wrong, somebody else brings something to me that I don't like, and the only thing that makes me stay is the fact that I'm submitted to this relationship. I'm committed. And I don't care if that's your marriage. I don't care if that's your best friend. This idea of I am submitted to this relationship, so it's not just about me anymore. I'm in. I can't run because I've submitted myself to God and I've submitted myself in the context of this relationship. Life-giving relationships model mutual submission. It starts there. That's the foundation. If you don't have that, you're never going to get to enjoy life-giving relationships. You'll always be hopping from place to place to place, looking for someone who never ruffles your feathers. And folks, you go, when you start going deep in relationships, that's what happens because people become who they are, and we're all just people. Second quality of life-giving relationships. Life-giving relationships require unity of spirit and mind. That's what Paul said. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. At some point, there has to be a relational bond, a connection that says we're going the same direction. In 2 Corinthians 6, 14 and 15, Paul wrote this. He says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what can fellowship or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Now, how many have heard that scripture before? How many have heard it in the context of marriage? Don't be unequally yoked. Yes, I did too. You notice there's no reference to marriage there. That's not a scripture that's simply about marriage. Although, it's really great advice when it comes to marriage. I just want to say, if you are here and you're single and you are dating someone, and you, you call yourself a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, and you are dating someone who is not a believer that's just dumb. There, I said it. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be insulting. But you got think, uh, stop and think about it. I want to be a friend here. Just think about it. You're saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. The word of God is my guide. His spirit is in me. I am submitted to him, and I want to follow his leadership. And you are dating on road to being yoked with someone who's not a believer. You understand where that's going to go. You two people are walking different directions, following different things. And you're like, no, we're going to live off of love, and we'll be just fine. You know how many horrible conversations I've sat in with people who were just going to live off of love and who are now wanting out, tearing each other apart because they didn't understand the implications? Stop and imagine the first time when something big is happening with your kids and you're like, but the Word of God says to handle it this way and I want to follow Jesus and I want, I want to live according to the Word. And so I, that's, I believe this. This is truth and I want, I want the best for my kids and I want to do this for my kids. And your spouse, who didn't stutter, they never commit, profess to be a believer. Your spouse like, I don't want to do that. That seems ridiculous. No, I was watching Oprah. Oprah says do this, and that's way better. Seriously, think about that. Because that's where it comes to. See, it's not on the honeymoon. 
But when you start building a life together, think about when you start making decisions about money and you want to do certain things with your money and you, you hear about things like our offering that we're doing. You go, I want some of my money to go to that. I want to be able to bring water to India. I want to be able to build something for a homeless shelter. I want to do something like that. I want to save. I want to budget. I want to use my money wisely, make the most of it because God's given me my resources. I'm a steward and I've seen blessing in that. And your unbelieving spouse is like, what are you talking about? I'm not, I have no interest in that. And every little life issue becomes a point of division because you weren't following the same leader to begin with. I just want to say to you, this is a great scripture when it comes to marriage. But it's also a great scripture when it comes to business. Because it's not really specifically talking about marriage. It's talking about any relationship where you be yoked with someone, where you depend on someone else, where, you, where you're connecting yourself to someone else. Be careful who you go into b- partnership with in business. Make sure you're walking together. Be careful who your closest friends are. I'm not saying, I am not saying you shouldn't be friends with unbelievers. I'm just saying those people who you are going to be closest with, dependent on those people who, to use the word from Scripture, you're going to be yoked with, arm in arm. You better have a good number of people that you're yoked with, who, like Paul says, you have a similar mind and a similar spirit. We're following the same direction because they will strengthen you, encourage you, and support you. If all of the people who you're in a relationship with believe differently than you and are walking different directions, that is going to constantly erode at and undermine your faith. It's going to make it very difficult for you to follow the path that you've been called to follow. It's almost impossible to live the one life that you've been created for. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this series called One Life, Make Yours Count, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue to help others just like you. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Matama Park. Our service times are Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15 and Mondays at 7 p.m. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life. And back to the message, Rethink Relationships. This is Reaching for Real Life. We need to start thinking about unity in relationships more than utility in relationships. We live in a culture that has relationships of utility. Well, they're helpful relationships. We, I need this investor's money. I, I, this person's great for networking. I can meet people through them. This is a great relationship because I can get this, this, or this. And we've been taught to use relationships that way. That is broken and messed up, and you'll ne- those will never be life-giving relationships. Those are relationships of utility, not relationships of unity. I want to encourage you. Life-giving relationships have to have some sense of unity of spirit and mind. The quality of your life will never exceed the quality of your relationships. Number three, life-giving relationships involve looking out for one another. Paul said, he said, look out for one another. 
Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking out for your own interests, but each other to the interests of others. That means in the context of relationships, I'm seeking the best of others. It's not just what I can get, but I'm looking for their best interests. That means encouragement. That means prayer. But I, I also want to tell you one thing. One of the best ways we look out for the interests of others is through honesty. Like Paul said in Ephesians, speaking the truth in love. Honesty. Proverbs 27 5 and 6 says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. If you're surrounded by people who simply flatter you, tell you what you want to hear, because you're a, you're a valuable relationship at this point, yeah, that's not great relationally. We need people who will tell us the truth. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now, I'm not a big-time iron sharpener, but that sounds like friction and sparks to me. As I read that way, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You need those relationships. You need people in your life who will look you in the face and go, Dude. And that's, by the way, a very helpful way to start a conversation when you've got to say something hard. If you just look at them and go, dude, they, they know something's coming, right? But they can receive it that way. You need someone who's going to look you in the face and go, dude, that was messed up. Dude, what were you thinking? Dude, I know you're angry and you think that's what they said. I was right there. I didn't hear them say that. I think you're kind of carrying this. People who will speak the truth to you. We all need people who just tell us the truth. And that is a gift of God. Life-giving relationships will, will encourage us. They will pray for us. But they will also tell us the truth. And again, if you're the type of person who anytime someone starts telling you the truth, you run, then what you're going to be living is this constant kind of dropping from place to place and living in a delusion. Because you never will let someone care about you enough to tell you the truth. Because this, this just happens. This is true. This is relationships. When they get deeper and people know us better, now the truth comes out. When we get past what we want to project and the person we hope we are to kind of over time we just are the person that we actually are, that's when the good stuff starts to happen. That's real relationship. And you need people who will honestly say to you, man, that was awesome what you did. I admire you. But they'll also say, I don't think that's what you wanted to do. I don't think that's what you wanted to say. Because they're honest. They're looking out for your best interest. Quality of your life will never exceed the quality of your relationships. Number four, life-giving relationships require humility. Life-giving relationships require humility. Paul said, don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain seat. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. In fact, when he talked about Jesus, he talked about how he took the very nature of the servant Made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Humility. What humility does is it values others above yourself. And here's just kind of the big thing on this. Um, one of the biggest relationship crushers in our lives is pride, isn't it? Pride, which is the opposite of humility. Pride. Th- think of how many relationships have been broken with by, by, by this simple kind of thing. Of, you can't talk to me like that. Do you know who I am? I'm a big deal. You can't tell me that. You don't, you don't talk to me that way. And all of a sudden that pride wells up. And the first thing we do, pride wells up. Whoever's standing against us, we either blow through or blow around or whatever we have to do. But that pride says, you don't talk to me that way. 
Do you know who you're dealing with? And that is a relational killer every time. Humility, on the other hand, when someone comes to you and says something that you don't like to hear. And understand, this is whether they're right or wrong. This isn't acknowledging they're right. Humility says, but I care enough about you. You're important, so I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to listen. I want to hear you. And I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to take you seriously because we're in relationship. I'm submitted to this relationship. We're yoked together. You're one of those people that I've committed to listen to. And you may pray about it, seek other counsel, and come away going, I don't think that's accurate. And, but pray for me. If, if, pray that God will show me. If I'm missing it, then pray that God will show me. But I've heard you. And you may have to say, I, I, don't, I don't agree. But humility says, but I'm going to listen, and you are important. And so I'm not going to let pride stand up and break off our relationship because you said something or did something I didn't want to hear or I didn't want to experience. Life-giving relationships always require humility because I'm submitting myself. It's not just about me, which is the essence of humility. Number five, and I'll wrap with this, life-giving relationships always require sacrifice. Life-giving relationships always require sacrifice and Paul's great example of Jesus Christ, who became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And he was telling us, in your relationships, this is what you model. Life-giving relationships always require sacrifice. That's why Jesus died on the cross. But for us, it might be simply saying, you know what? You're more important than my agenda. The sacrifice might simply be your agenda. And saying, yeah, right now, you're standing in the way of my agenda. But you're more important than my agenda. So I humble myself, and I take time with you. I put my agenda off to the side instead of putting my friend off to the side, instead of putting that life-giving relationship off to the side because we're yoked together. We're submitted to one another. And I put my agenda on the side because you matter. And, folks, I want to say to you, life-giving relationships are worth it. They are, and I have to tell you, this is, this is the best I have to give you in this One Life series. These life-giving relationships are a secret and a key. And it's what the gospel is all about. First with God, the ultimate life-giving relationship, but then with one another. I want to challenge you this morning. Let's begin to organize our lives around those life-giving relationships instead of other things. The problem is we organize our life around all the other stuff. Our careers, making money, our goals, blah, 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 whatever it is. I want to challenge you, seriously. And right now you're like, well, this isn't practical, Sean. It actually is. It's not easy. It's counterculture. But it seems to me I've read somewhere that Jesus was like that. When you begin to organize your life around significant relationships and say, you know what? These are what are going to matter. First you, Father, and then these who you've brought into my life, these significant relationships. I'm going to organize my life around that. I believe you'll begin to tap into something that sadly eludes most people. Listen to what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 12 and then going on into this very well-known passage of 1 Corinthians 13. At the end of chapter 12, he writes, Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And remember, he was talking about spiritual gifts. And we love that conversation about spiritual gifts because that talks about power. And we love power. Eagerly desire the greater gifts. And yet, I will show you the most excellent way. 
If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I'm a noisemaker. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Does not envy. Does not boast. It's not proud. Does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they'll cease. Where there are tongues, they'll be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away. But not love. The quality of your life will never exceed the quality of your relationships. I know this is a challenging word. Because for some of us, this requires some serious reprioritizing and reordering our world. Is your one life worth it? Is having the things that your heart desperately knows you're supposed to be experiencing, but maybe you're not, is it worth it? Do you trust God enough to go for it? That's the question. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series called One Life, Make Yours Count, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email that this program blessed you or even better. Your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Please find the Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.